0: Series in that's called how to. How it wasn't that it'll be this. It's how to live a meaningful life, and the key proposition I guess that we've been working on is that one of the most countercultural things you can do today in a Western society is to be fully engaged in a healthy Bible-based local church as a follower of Jesus, and I wanna stress that the primary thing is following Jesus, but in the engagement with the local church, And as Jesus' disciples, we're just better off helping each other, praying for each other and coming alongside each other, encouraging each other. There's a whole lot of things the Bible encourages us to do one to another. And so that connectivity between the members of the body of Christ, but encouraging people to live purposefully and intentionally for what really matters And there's so many distractions in our world saying, this matters, this matters. And there are a lot of important issues and things going on. But the most important thing as a follower of Jesus is to live for God's purpose and to be continually looking to think, how can I do that wherever God has placed me? Because the reality is every single follower of Jesus is called to be a part of God's eternal purpose. You are all called. The minute you said yes to Jesus, not just people who stand on the platform. So, one of the key things is just sharing faith. In Acts 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. So I'm speaking to the topic this morning of under how to live a meaningful life is how do I talk to people about Jesus? Now, right now, there's a few of you, whether in the online campus or here in the auditorium, I'll go, oh, no, I don't wanna hear this topic. I feel guilty. There's a few going, yeah. I wanna inspire all of you. I don't want it to be the guilt trip, but an inspiration thing. Also, there could be some people here in the auditorium or watching in our online campus who are on a faith journey and have not yet said yes to Jesus. And you're gonna be going, so that's what they're up to. That's why. And the key thought that I want to leave with you is we do this because, number one, we love you and want you to know how much God loves you. And so just if you're in that and we respect people who are on a faith journey exploring Christianity. Very simply, in terms of this topic of how to talk to people about Jesus is that Jesus' last words should be our first priority as His disciples. And in Matthew 28, we read from verse 18, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples. And He's talking about going into every part of society. And that again, I remind you, God has called you into those places. And there's an opportunity to share your faith in whatever way is best and most appropriate in the situation. But I think a starting point for us is that, number one, we should pray and expect God to act in and through us and in our circumstances. Because of all the conversations going on in our Western society about the church and anti-church stuff, I think all of us have got a little bit bruised and battered and intimidated and kind of go, I don't even want them to know that I'm a follower of Jesus. I really think there's kind of that pressure that has come on us. And I love the prayer that was prayed by the early church when the apostles had been arrested, beaten for their faith and forbidden by the authorities to ever mention the name of Jesus again. And they went and they had a prayer meeting and they said, God, show us a safe place to hide so we won't be beaten again. No, they didn't do that. Have you read the book of Acts? (laughs) they went and had a prayer meeting and they said, now, Lord, this is Acts chapter four, verse 29 and following. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness, stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders and through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after that, prayed that prayer for boldness, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. And I wonder if you would take on that prayer. It challenges me in different situations. God, I need greater boldness. I also need wisdom. I'm not talking about Bible bashing. I'm not talking about being offensive. There's a sense in which the gospel is offensive. Now, what I mean by that, the gospel tells people you're a sinner. It tells you, you you're not right with God. It tells you you need to make up your mind about eternity. But in the, and, and Jesus proclaimed that Paul talks about the gospel itself offending Greeks and Jews and others, but you don't have to be offensive in sharing it. And I hope you note that distinction. So the first thing is to pray and expect God to act. I love that, stretch out your hand for miracles. But do you and I also need to know what the gospel is? And the very essence of the gospel means to be good news. So don't be bad news. Be a good news Christian. But also, do you actually know the essence of the gospel? God's story. You don't have to be a theologian because someone must go, what if they asked me some deep theological question? Well, just come and ask somebody who knows. I may not even be able to answer, but I'll definitely try to help you find an answer. If that is genuinely what's stopping that person from coming to faith, rather than just having an argument, let's go and find an answer. You don't even have to know the whole Bible. You don't need to know the answer to every question. Just be yourself, honest and authentic. One of the most powerful things is the blind man who was confronted by the Pharisees, real deep theologians and, and, and started challenging him about how he got healed. They missed the fact that he got healed. And his answer was I once was blind, I now can see. That is one of the greatest testimonies. My life was once a mess but God through Jesus fixed things up. So there's four key truths and there's other ways of sharing faith but I'm just, the four key truths that in the conversation in some way, and it doesn't have to be in one conversation, it's in the engagement, that number one, God has a plan for every single person's life and that He deeply loves us. And He wants all of us to experience His peace, His forgiveness and His grace and the gift of eternal life. John 3:16, well known, but he's so powerful. Jesus says, this you see, is how much God loved the world. We lead with the love of God, how much God loved the world enough to give His only special Son so that everyone who believes in Him would not be lost, but would experience eternal life. So number one, God has a plan. Number two, as human beings, we have a problem. It's called sin. And I know it's unfashionable in our Western culture Uh, to talk about sin. We've kind of explained it away and all sorts of other things. And in that sense, sometimes that can be slightly offensive. But I think most people, if you have an honest conversation, know that something's broken and something's wrong on the inside and there's something wrong on the planet. Well, the Bible calls that sin. We have a problem. Being at peace with God doesn't automatically happen. And the greatest sin is actually living your life independent of God. That's the greatest sin, because that's the sin. that will keep you away from grace, forgiveness, peace, and the gift of eternal life. And so God wants us to make a U-turn and turn back to Him. That's repentance. God wants you to turn around and turn your life to face Him and to engage Him. God's Word re- describes this thing of sin for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that's a powerful thing when you're sharing you know better I'm no better than the person that I'm talking to I'm a sinner just as much as they are we've all sinned none of us can be self-righteous and that's actually what's really offensive is when it comes across that you're better than everybody no you're just forgiven you're just being Uh, washed clean from your sins by the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God's got a plan. We as human beings have a problem. God has a solution. We can't solve it ourselves. Religion doesn't solve anything. Relationship is what changes everything. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that whole thing, this is a gift. This is not something you earn. You don't fix your life up in order to come to God. You just come to God as you are and God will begin to transform you from the inside out. It's not behaviour oriented. The most important thing is first and foremost, belong to Jesus and then get connected with people who can help you grow. When Jesus died on the cross, He paid the penalty for all our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He personally carried our sins in His body on the cross so that we could be debtors and live for what is right. I, I, and I think it's really important to just try to commit. This is a personal commitment that Jesus Christ, God made manifest in the flesh, made to each one of us. He personally carried my sin and your sin. What a saviour didn't judge us, didn't condemn us. He personally carried our sin. And in all of this, God's got a plan, a purpose for your life, born out of His love for you. We have a problem, it's called sin. God has a solution, Jesus died personally for our sins. But the fourth thing is we need to respond to that. When you say yes to Jesus, God's free gift of forgiveness and salvation, encounters you and you cross a bridge as it were that had separated you from God. You cross a gully made by the the, the bridge that Jesus created through His death and suffering and you enter into God's family. I I love John 1 and verse 12 and it's in the context that many didn't receive Jesus. But then it says, but to as many as as did receive and welcome Him, He gave the authority And that word means power, privilege, and right to become the children of God. That is to those who believe in His name. As many as receive and welcome, He gives the authority, the power, the right, the privilege to become a child of God. And it's as simple as that, encountering Jesus. And that's why in all of our services, we create that opportunity for people for the first time or renewing a commitment to welcome Christ, in your life because that's where the transforming power is to change your life for time and for eternity. But I'd also encourage you to think a little bit about your own story, that as that simple as I could put it, God's story, the story of the Bible. But what about your story? That's also important. First Peter three, verse 15 and following, Peter says, if somebody asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. If somebody asks you to explain the hope that is in you, would you be able very simply to explain it? And and it's not that difficult. And really, and this is gonna be a little bit of homework. I won't check, Holy Spirit might, but, but all of us can do this, to say this is what my life was like before. This is how I encountered Jesus. And this is what my life is like Now, afterwards. And don't present it that you have no problems and no issues and that you've suddenly become perfect because they will know that you're not. This is what my life was like before I came to Jesus. This is how I encountered Jesus and what He did in me even for me. And this is what my life is like. It's as simple as that. You can tell your story and your story is powerful. So the first thing was let's pray and ask God for boldness. Secondly, let's know the essence of the gospel that I've just gone through. But the third thing is connect relationally. Now I know there's sometimes an opportunity, just one off sitting next to somebody on the plane or something like that, somebody you never see again and you can grab that opportunity and jump into it and speak to them. But for most of us, We're going to see these people around. We're going to connect with them. And we need to connect relationally. It's not about how many people can I get how many people can get on a gun belt, as it were. You know That turns you into kind of a, a Bible basher. And, and I know there's people here in this congregation who are extraordinary in, in just sharing their faith. God's gifted them, they have a boldness. And, and I love to see how often they engage and just, and we're gonna be praying for you. Know, I wanna stir that gift up in people and celebrate it. But when you have a conversation with somebody, Treat them as a valuable human being, not a project, is my point. Don't make people a project. It feels awkward. Just genuinely connect with them and create respect where there's an opportunity for you to share. There's a saying that says if people don't know... Sorry. There's a saying that if people don't know how much you care, they don't want to know... how much you know. I think I just stuffed that up completely, but I think you get the essence of it. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. See, I actually had it written down. And so under connecting relationally, lead with kindness. Do you realise that kindness It's probably one of the most underrated attributes of God. But because it's an attribute of God, it's actually supernatural. Kindness is supernatural. Kindness is supernatural. And we don't have a monopoly on it as Christians. But coming out of your heart, your love for God, your love for people, acts of kindness, simple things, little things. And sometimes, yeah, they can be big things, but simple acts of kindness do something to the human heart. Kindness is supernatural. It opens doors, it creates opportunities. Paul in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse six says, we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. There's something supernatural when the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart about acts of kindness, random ones, just intentional ones, when you see an opportunity to do something. And sometimes the kindness is just words of thanking somebody who served you. And they went out of their way or maybe they didn't even, but you just appreciate what they're doing and how they did it. That simple comment, it's amazing how many conversations I've got to have simply by thanking somebody for doing something where everybody else around them is just assuming, oh, well, that's a job. And hey, you know, and treating them like a servant rather than as a human being. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 6, Matthew 5 verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise, not you, they might thank you, but you're deflecting everything to your heavenly Father. Acts of kindness. And I hope you'll pray today. Whether Those online, you've got people that you want to see come to Jesus, those in the auditorium. Well, is there something that I can do that is just a really simple act of kindness if you demonstrate god's love people are far more willing to listen to what you have to say and it's being a good news christian because it's ultimately god's kindness that draws us to him in romans chapter 2 don't you see how wonderfully kind tolerant and patient god is with you does this mean nothing to you Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And there's so many people in our society that simply see God as angry and actually enjoying punishing people. The exact opposite is true from God's Word. God's kindness and tolerance and patience is to give us opportunity to turn our lives around and head towards Him rather than walking away from Him. So, we're talking about connecting. The other thing is to intentionally nurture friendships that are outside Christian groups. Have some within Christian groups. It's where live groups and surf teams and other things we do are so powerful. Don't just invite people into your world, let them invite you into their world. Now, now let me just say this, you need some wisdom as to what you do and where you do it. But that whole thing, yeah, I'll go along to that. Or I'll go along to that. I'll be a part of that. Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to his home for dinner. Jesus went. Jesus also went to other dinner parties of the opposite end of town. The Pharisees were the theologians, the religious people the ones who looked down their noses on everybody. But Jesus also went to dinner in the opposite end of town. Ended up having dinner with tax collectors and notable sinners. And tax collectors were hated. They were collaborating with Rome. They were unclean because of the engagement with Gentiles. So it offended the religious end of town that Jesus was hanging out with these people. Just listen to one story. Luke 5 and verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, this is a senior tax collector, probably one of those hated people in the region, sitting at his tax collector's booth. And Jesus just walks up to him and says, follow me and be my disciple. And I don't want you to catch something here. He didn't say to uh, Levi, later to be called Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. Now, I just want to check your theology and we know your behavior is abhorrent. So I'll come back in a few weeks time and see if you've updated your theology, got a few belief issues sorted, and if your behaviours change, and then you can follow me. As he is in the mess that he's in, seemingly so far from God, he says, follow me. Jesus said, you can belong with me before you've sorted everything else. Out in your life and when you think about it that's true of our lives he just says come on be with me and as you spend time with me you'll start believing the right things, you'll start behaving the right way, I will transform you don't get it all sorted first, just follow and so Levi got up and left everything a large income and all sorts of things and followed him But Levi had a lot of other friends who were on the outside of the religious community of the day. So Levi thought, I I need my friends here. I want them to begin to experience what I'm experiencing by just following Jesus. So later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honour. And many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. And the Pharisees hated it. They reacted to it. Let's not be the Pharisees. Let's be those engaged with everyday people, finding opportunities to just engage and with little acts of kindness, with little things, with just listening to their story, which is my next point. Don't worry, there's only 20. No, no, there's not, you'll be fine. You don't need a break it's to those on the online campus. <laughs> so pray and let's ask God for boldness. Just know the simple truths about the gospel, the good news. Connect relationally by leading with kindness and, and nurturing friendships. The, the next major point is just stop talking and listening and listen. And don't say that back to me right now because I, I do have a little bit more to say. <laughs> it almost seems counterintuitive when we're looking for an opportunity to talk to somebody about Jesus. But we'll never do it effectively if we're doing all the talking. We need to ask questions about what's going on in their world. And I don't mean an interrogation but just find out what's going on in the world. And it's amazing in that atmosphere of kindness and caring, you're asking what's going on, or you know if something's going on, how are you doing with that? that? That there's a friendship that builds, there's a connection that gives you opportunity to speak appropriately into situations. Jesus, after His resurrection, finds two of His disciples on the Emmaus road, And they are extremely distraught. They're in pain. Their world is in chaos because of the crucifixion. They, They hadn't listened to everything that Jesus said earlier about resurrection. They are just completely shattered as human beings. And He asked them, what are you discussing so intently along the way? And they stopped short, sadness written on their faces, and they go, "Are oh, you the only one who doesn't know what's going on?" Isn't that tell me? And they begin to pour out their heart, and then, in response to that, Jesus starts to reveal Himself to them. Firstly, by pointing to the Scriptures, to what God, to God's promises, and finally, at mealtime, there's this full revelation. But it started by saying, "Hey, guys, what's going on in your world?" Now, obviously, Jesus knew what was going on, but the question created engagement. I ask questions that nudge people to think about their, their life, their priorities, their spirituality. First Corinthians, Paul says this, chapter nine and verse 22. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with them so that they will let me tell them about Christ and let Christ save them. Notice who does the saving in that. You're not the saviour, I'm not the saviour. He says, just, just have the conversation, find the common ground with people. That's why I'm a sports fanatic, Now I would be a sports fanatic anyway, but it gives me common ground with so many people, except for Queenslanders. <laughs> now the common ground is the mutual animosity, the love-hate relationship. And there's a few, the Kiwis fit into that as well. And both the Bronco supporters and the All Black supporters are finally celebrating at long, long loss. So we'll let them have that moment. Common ground. He says, I, so I let them find common ground and let me tell them about how Christ can save them. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. So some of the questions, there's two that I use all the time. Once I've built up a rapport, I ask them, what's your dream? And it's amazing what comes out of somebody's heart, because I believe with all my heart, God has purposed each and every human being for a purpose. And there's a dream in their heart. And some of them will say, oh, I don't know if I really want to tell them. That's fine. You don't have to tell me. They always do. Because it stirs something. Or well, if I've built up enough of a rapport, I'd say to them, if there's one thing that I can pray for you for, what would it be? And I think in all the years, I've only had one person say, I don't want you to pray for me. And that often it ends up with tears in their eyes. This is going on I'll pray for you. And don't make it embarrassing. You know, if you can pray with them quietly, where it's appropriate or others, as you walk out there, wherever you are, pray, because otherwise you'll forget will slip your mind. Ask them, what's important to you? What do you think life's about? Do you believe in God? You know, And find the right question, but just prompt them. I need to start moving a bit faster. If you can, connect them to other Christian friends. Not, not Pharisees who will chop them up and condemn them and be aggressive towards them and self-righteous. I mean, good friends. Because in this whole thing, we're not meant to do it all by ourselves. Noel over here has an extraordinary ability just to engage people. Uh, he'll get them um, saved, baptized, filled with the spirit in a serve group in about three hours. You know, no, he doesn't. He actually engages with friendship and, and there's others in that group. I'm just celebrating him. Not, I know there's others that you do it with, but he's just incredible in it. You can ask him, how do you do it? Can I come with you? stirring up that gift of of evangelism in your life. But one of the things I see, He always connects them somewhere to other Christian friends. You see, inviting people to follow Jesus doesn't have to be a solo event. Yeah, there's moments you get that one off. It's actually meant to be an engagement of the body of Christ. And seeing that there's a community and hopefully you're not weird a little joke on us. Paul says to the church of Philippi, you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 2, he's talking to the church of Thessalonica. And I want you to know the plural references here. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you, not only the gospel, but our lives as well. Oh, you know, Paul doesn't say, because I loved you so much, I was delighted to share the gospel with you and share my life. There's our, we, we were engaged in this. One of the greatest things you and I can do at the moment is just invite somebody to connect through Alpha whether you go with them when we run it or you say, I'll do it online with you. And we're talking about investing something in people's lives. And I want us to go to the screen now, just look at another great story from the Alpha Stories. This old friend of mine, Helen. My best friend. My friend called and invited me to try Alpha. They handed me an invitation. It was just a random invitation. And I said, like, why not? Why not? Let's try it. Why not? Let's go. And I found like a, like a really awesome community of people. They helped me find who I was just by listening. Alpha helped me in the knowing of God. I started to understand that love it's much it is new. I was a different person from that moment on. I knew I had purpose. I, I felt really comfortable like starting to invite my friends. I've seen Arthur really impact people that I work with. I would definitely encourage people to get involved. It's one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. It all turned out to be life changing. <laughs> Nowadays you can do it online, we run run it from time to time, we wanna do it more. But notice all of them had a friend who invited them and a friend who went with them to do it. Finding a bit of space in our lives to invite people to join in. The first thing that Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, it is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Didn't just point him, he brought him, he said, come with me. And so my final point in this is, all of us feeling nervous, perhaps, apart from Noel, (laughs) about sharing faith, talking to people, doing some of these things, these are just a few things that can help us, is, and to me this is the biggest, let Jesus surprise you. Because when you start stepping out because you prayed, God, give me boldness and Holy Spirit, help me. And you've been real, you've been authentic, you're connecting relationally, all the things. Jesus steps into that situation. And sometimes it takes years. I don't have time to tell a story now, but sometimes it takes years, but the seed was sown back there. Sometimes you sowed the seed and somebody else had the opportunity to see them come to Christ but it's a personal relationship with the risen Christ is at the very heart of what we're talking about, not religion. And yet coming to church is important, there's scriptures on that, but church doesn't save you, Jesus saves you. He paid the price. He's invested in this whole journey. And the people he engaged with and how he did it, surprised and even shocked, as we've said, some of the religious leaders When you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, there's 46 occasions that the gospels record of Jesus encountering people, mostly individually. And they came from all walks of life. And when the Pharisees, the religious system of the day challenged it, they asked His disciples saying, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Gee, that's harsh. But religion is. Relationship with Jesus is filled with grace and mercy. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I've come to find them and to pour out mercy, you can read the whole passage. And Jesus seemed to relish having conversations that the religious people had cast out, overlooked, dismissed, passed judgment on. And they range, I'm not gonna go through all 46, relax. But from despised tax collectors Zacchaeus, I wanna come to your house and have a meal, Zacchaeus. To a woman caught in the very act of adultery and we know if it was in the very act, where it was the man? So she'd been set up and manipulated by religious people. To a respected Pharisee who was struggling, Nicodemus. And even in his death, to an unnamed thief on the cross, there was a point of engagement. See, Jesus is in the stories, in the moments, in the opportunities. And when we find the courage just to start the conversation and yeah, feel nervous and and acknowledge that perhaps in in the way, not being the expert, Jesus will drop into the conversation. When you focus on Him, and so it's about belonging to Him. The behaving and the believing. We, we can help you with that, but it's encountering Jesus. And perhaps here in the auditorium or in an online campus, you've never ever taken that step of faith. And yeah, this message has been a little bit different. No, I now I understand what some of my friends have been doing. Yeah, because they love you. Because the love of God compels them. Because God loves you. And this is an opportunity to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And there's others that may have drifted away and whatever reason life's happened and you're no longer walking right with God. You're welcome back into the house. Jesus makes that so clear. You're welcome back. The Father runs to meet you when a prodigal comes home. Doesn't run to judge you, He runs to meet you and welcome you.